Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. Well, good morning, good morning. I'm so glad to see all of you that are here today live and, and so glad that all of you are watching on TV are able to join in. I'll tell you what, I am fired up this morning. I, I just have this expectation that God is going to do something amazing. Come on, do we have anybody else who believes that God's going to do something amazing? We're going to see revival. We're going to see God do something Guys, you know, Scripture tells us in Philippians to think upon the things that are pure, just, righteous, holy. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think upon these things. And sometimes when you are bombarded with all the negativity and everything that floods our, our news feeds and social media feeds and all of those things, guys, we, you, you got to be extra intentional about making sure that you don't focus on that, but focus on how mighty your God is. I want to challenge you guys. That song that we sang this morning, that's a, that's a powerful song. If you want something on your phone or watch something, download that. You get a YouTube video of that and, and just play that. When you begin to feel fear, when you begin to feel anxiety and all of that stuff, get in the presence of this awesome God. And I'll tell you what, he will bring peace. It's not God's desire that we are scattered and fearful look guys scripture said god has not given us a spirit of fear but of what of power love and a sound mind i believe we have allowed coronavirus and we have allowed economic issues racial issues social issues and all of these things to take our eyes off of our master we've been peter who has been walking on the water and turned and looked at the waves and he began to sink. But what happened? Peter cried out. And that's right. Jesus reached down and he pulled him right back up. And I'm telling you right now, it is going to be no different for us. It is going to be no different for us. Pastor Brandon, how can you say that? Because I've read my Bible. I've read my Bible. And I'm not just talking about the part where we win in the end. I'm talking about when the 10 plagues of Egypt were going on and all there's darkness and all the animals are being killed and there's frogs everywhere. It wasn't that way in Goshen with God's people. But here's the problem. Too many of God's people have left the protection of Goshen and have stepped over into Egypt where they're fighting the people of Egypt themselves. And I'm telling you, you want to get back. And I had no intentions of sharing any of these things. I'm, I'm telling you guys, there's protection in Goshen. What, what, what is it? That's the place where God wants us to be, in the Word of God, in the presence of God, in the safety and protection of the fence. If we get outside of that, there are going to be, if you read all the things in the Bible about the last days, about the judgment and different things that happen. If you look at it, a lot of the stuff that happens in Revelations looks like a lot of the stuff that happened in Egypt at the beginning. Why did God do it that way? To show us, I've protected my people before. 
if my people would just stay where they need to be. Be where they need to be. I can protect them through these things. And God would do it for us again. Guys, I'm just telling you, stop fighting. Stop fighting people and start fighting spiritual principalities and rulers of darkness. And how do we do it? We do it right here. We do it right here. We can't change the hearts of people. Only God can change the hearts of people. No matter what you say, you're not going to convince them. They're just going to dig deeper into their counterpoint to try to come back with something else. So don't convince them. Just be in the presence of God. Speak truth. I, t- I tell you what, they won't listen. Guys, I'll be honest. I've been speaking this for a long time. There, there's, there's a lot of times I get up here and preach. I, I've been up here preaching in our church for eight years now. And there's a whole lot of people who have not listened to anything I've been saying. But I still get up here and I run my mouth every single week. Why? Because I'm preaching the Word of God. And here's the thing about preaching the Word of God. When you preach the Word of God, you give the Holy Spirit something to work with in their hearts. And I have watched time and time again people who have been mad about something that I've said. The Holy Spirit takes that word that I've been preaching and he begins to turn in their heart and he begins to turn them until they come right back in here. If you're going to speak, speak the word of God. If you're going to talk, about other people talk about other people to God that's what we looked at with the life of Joseph that Joseph could have easily ran down his brothers and they would have ended up being killed when they showed up before him but he didn't he took it to God and because he was able to do that he was able to fully restore the relationship with his brothers and his fathers and provide for them how quickly we see revival and change is not dependent upon who is in office. It is not dependent upon what Antifa or anybody else does. It's dependent upon us. Can we take our responsibility? Can we get back where we're supposed to be? One of the things that we are called to do as a church is to be a body of believers that reaches out to the lost, that serves our community, that demonstrates the love of God to people. We have outreaches that go on all the time. We have some pictures, some outreaches. This is down in Mount Hope and in Princeton. We're feeding every Friday. We feed about 125 to 150 people there. We've uh, had outreaches that we did in, uh, I'm sorry, in Mount Hope. Uh, We had outreach we did last week in Princeton where we fed about 100 people there. We uh, were able to provide some gifts and things. Uh, You know, teaching is one of the hardest jobs that they have today because they're teaching a local class. They're teaching an online class. They're they're balancing all these things. And so we went right next door where Bradley Elementary is. You got their staff and everything, and we blessed them with a little gift and just let them know we're praying with them. Guys, we've done this with police officers in the area because I'm telling you, police officers feel so neglected and, and, and things because there are a lot of really good police officers that are out there and they have felt rejected. In fact, I got a, a letter from the, uh, the sheriff and he said, uh, you know, guys, thank you and your church 
for the gift that you guys gave us, but more importantly, thank you for the cards that you gave us. Because you don't know what that meant to those police officers that received a card just saying, hey, we're praying for you. Praying that God will protect you. We're praying that God will be with you. We're encouraging you. We know that not every police officer is a bad guy. And it meant so much to them. And guys, if we would do that more, we gotta get back. And so this is what we're gonna do on October the 7th. This is first Wednesday. There's no slide that's going up there. First Wednesday in October. I am putting out a thing. They may have already put the video on social media or whatever. I don't know if they do because I don't have social media. I don't want to know all that stuff. But on October the 7th, we are having an all call. Anybody who wants to be in leadership or serve in our community and in our church, you come here. 6.30. You don't have to register. We'll try to space you out the best we possibly can. And, and, And all of that, we do ask you wear a mask when you come. And if a mask keeps you from doing the right thing, guys, seriously, I, I, it's not a matter of whether they work or not. It's, that's not, that's not the matter. There are some people who have fear, have condi- medical conditions, they're at high risk and we love them enough to wear a mask when we're around them so that they can come in God's house in fact if you're one of those people who are high risk and I'll get to the sermon eventually Brooke I'll let you guys go in just a minute I just felt like I needed to share this stuff y'all y'all good y'all with me if you're one of those people who are high risk we don't want you to stay away from God's house we, created the, we turned our community campus into a high-risk campus. Everybody who comes in is going to have their temperature taken. They're wearing masks the entire time. There's no uh, uh, live worship as far as somebody singing, so you don't have to worry. There's not a live communicator, so you don't have to worry about, like, the front row up here. If, if I get too excited, I just spit on them. You know, you don't, you don't have to worry about all those things. God, Scripture says we're supposed to be all things to all people. And we need to love people enough to wherever they are. You know, we don't kind of look down on people if they're, they're at high risk. I've got kids that are high risk. And so what do I do? I wear a mask. I keep my kids away from crowds, different things. Like, I, I know where it is. But at some point, we got to realize we can't be off mission. What's the mission? Seek and save that which is lost. And we can find ways to do it at home. And we're going to talk about some of those things on October 7th. So if you want to serve, if you found yourself feeling disconnected in all of those things, get here October 7th, 630. Amen? Now, anybody ready to hear the Word of God? Or y'all just want to go home? I'm going to have to rush to get through this. But come on, guys, let's just pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, we love you. Oh, God, we just thank you for your presence. It's here. God, you said where two or three are gathered, that you're in the midst. And so, God, I know you're not only in this room. You're over in the community campus. You're in Summersville. You're in the home churches that are going on in Princeton and Summersville and different areas. You're, you're in people's living room. You're in people's condos. You're, you're right where they are, God. And so, Father, I pray that right now, wherever we may be watching this message, 
that you speak to our hearts. God, I pray that we feel your presence just entering into our room right now. God, I just pray right now that the peace of God that passes all understanding just guards every heart, every mind, God, so that we can hear what your word says to us today. Well, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're going to wrap up our series 490 this week, and, and I hope that you guys are going to look at these examples and things that we talked through with Scripture and, and begin to try to walk out these things, begin to implement these things, because I truly believe that, that the way that the church responds to lost people and the way that we act even among people within the church and, and all of those things who have differences of opinion and everything are greatly going, it greatly matters into to seeing the move of God take place. I mean, Scripture says that they will know that we are Christians by our love, and that love covers a multitude of sin. And so love covers those differences and things that may be in between people, whether it may be a, a small doctrinal belief or a, a, a belief on masks or no masks, a, a belief on Republican or Democrat, a belief, all those things, that, that God is the thing and our love for one another is the thing that can bring us together and hold us together in unity. But a lot of that has to do with not being offended. And we started this out, and actually John Bevere, the week that he preached, he said that in the last days, that many will be offended, that offenses will come. And we talked about the importance of guarding our heart and making sure that we refuse to be offended. And, and so some of you guys, last week, you got the little bracelet that says 70 times 7 and then the 490 on it, and you're able to wear that this week. I actually had somebody tell me the other day, they were like, look, I, I, that bracelet has been convicting me on several occasions, you know, looks down at the bracelet, sees the situation that they're in, and, you know, just kind of, all right, I got to forgive, got to release, and look, that's what that's there for, and so if you want that, uh, we're going to have those up at the door as you leave today. At the campuses, we'll have that. And if you're watching on TV or online, look, just, just email us at info at iheartchurch.online and we'll send that, we'll, we'll mail it to you. Because if, if it will help us remind us to be Christ-like and to forgive, then it is worth it. If we have to order more of them, we will order more of them. I just want people to love people. I just want people to forgive people. Just, just act Christ-like so that we can see this move of God that he wants to do. I don't know about you, I want to be a part of that. Like, I don't want to be on the outside and, and everybody else is in the middle of the move of God because I've got bitterness and unforgiveness and, and all of those things in my heart. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want, I want God to be flowing through me to reach people. When I get to heaven one day, I want to stand before God and, and know that I did everything I possibly could to show people Christ and to help them find a relationship with him. And that's why I think it's so important that we get back on focus, that we get back on track of who we are called to be and what we are called to be doing. 
This week we're going to be looking at the life of Stephen, but Stephen really just kicks off another story of forgiveness. And, and you know, we, we talked about the, uh, Stephen, and, and, and if there is ever a moment in time where somebody demonstrated Christ and forgiveness, Stephen was it. You remember when Jesus was on the cross, and they're mocking him, and they're persecuting him, and, and he's being whipped, and he's hanging on the cross. What did he pray? He said, Father, what? Forgive them. For they know not what they do. And Stephen echoes the exact same words as he is being stoned. We're going to pick up the story there. Acts chapter 7 verse 59. It says, when they went on stoning Stephen. So this is, this is in the process of being pelted with stones. Now, I'm not talking like little pebble type rocks. They're not just throwing a rock at him to hurt him or, or anything like that. They are throwing rocks at him to kill him. They are aiming for the head, trying to crush the skull. You know, they, they are killing him. And it says, as they were stoning him, Jesus said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That sounds a whole lot like what Jesus prayed to God. Father, receive my spirit and forgive them for they know not what they do. And falling to his knees... He cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said that, he fell asleep. And he's not talking about a nap. He died in the process of being murdered. Come on, that's some forgiveness there. That as your murderer is murdering you, you're praying for their forgiveness that God would not hold that against them. See, a lot of people would say, well, you know, of course Jesus could pray that because he was the son of God and everything. But Stephen wasn't the son of God, the physical son of God. Jesus wasn't God in flesh. Or, uh, Stephen wasn't God in flesh. Jesus was God in flesh. Don't, <laughs> don't take that video snippet and put it online and say that Pastor Brandon's a heretic. But there's a very important detail to the story of who Stephen is forgiven, that comes really the verse before in verse 58. It says, when they had driven him out of the city, they began to stone him. And the witnesses laid aside the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Then you jump back to chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Now, there's a couple things that we have to realize here, because I think this is very important, that as Stephen is being stoned, the man named as Saul of Tarsus, who we know eventually has an encounter with God and becomes Paul, writes two-thirds in the New Testament, plants Gentile churches, all those things like that. This guy is standing there, and all of the people who are throwing the rocks take off their coats and robes. They lay them at Saul's feet. And then verse 8 says that Saul was in hearty agreement. Why does it matter that Saul was in hearty agreement with this? You know what this is showing? This is showing that Saul was actually the man who gave the hit on Stephen and told them to kill him. That Saul, because you'll even look later on that Saul goes and gets permission to kill the church. It, it, was, it was Saul's mission in life 
was to stop the spreading of what was known as the way, which was the, what we know as today as the Christian belief, the belief in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the movement that, of people who were following Jesus was known as the way. And Paul took it upon himself that his life mission was to stop all of these heretics who believed in Jesus. And so whatever he had to do, he was going to do it, even if it meant killing them. And here's the thing. He did it on behalf of the church. He represented the Jewish people. They were the ones who gave him the authority. But not just the Jewish people, but he also had authority from the Roman government because the Roman government never stopped him from doing this. And because Saul was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen, he walked in both authorities. So it wasn't just the church who was persecuting the way, but also the government was persecuting the way. And as he is doing this, and as Stephen is being stoned, he's praying for Saul. I want you to look what happened in in chapter 8, verse 2. It says, some of the devout people, they buried Stephen, and they made loud lamentations, and but Saul went on ravaging the church. And he would enter in from house to house, and he would drag out men and women. He would put them in prison. He was killing them, and he was imprisoning them. So we have to realize that this is not perceived persecution. There is no doubt in anybody's mind that this is outright persecution of the way and the the people who are following Jesus, that, that Saul was either killing them or at the very least, he was imprisoning them and he was busting up home to home to bring people, pull them out of their home and bring them and imprison them. And so I want, the, the, the reason why I think we have to realize this is because in the world today, we're seeing these radical extreme groups like Antifa, and you're, you're seeing these, these riotings going on, and, and you're seeing police officers killed, and, and, and things being destroyed, and looted, and fire, and all of these things. And, and the response of a lot of Christians has been to condemn all of that action and everything, which I, I, I do not believe that we should agree with that type of action. However, Saul really was a Bible Example of what Antifa and the rioters are doing today. Isn't that what they're doing today? They're killing people who represent authority. They're burning things down. They're, they're, they're causing riots. They're, they're causing disruption. They're, they're, they're causing all of these things. They're, you know, basically what Saul would do, would he would go into a thing. Notice that Saul wasn't throwing any rocks himself. Saul was just stirring the pot. They would lay their coats at his feet. And he's just like, yeah, go ahead and go do that. And then they would go do that and they would stone it and they would kill the Christians. We have to understand how the enemy works. When scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness, God, or the enemy will send a Saul to try to stir up a crowd to get them to come. Look, he even did it when they, when they crucified Jesus. What did they do? The same crowd that was singing Hosanna to the Son of God and laying their coats down at at the feet as he's coming into the the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and everything, one week later are saying, crucify him, kill him. We We don't have any king but Caesar. We don't want him. There is a mob mentality that the enemy works in. 
And if we are not careful, we would join right in. And as we feel that we are being persecuted, we will throw stones right back at them. But what did Stephen do? He prayed for him. What did Jesus teach? Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who despitefully use you. Bless them and curse not. And the people of the church were terrified of Saul. And really, I believe that that's why a lot of Christians have felt like they have to fight back is because they're terrified of what may happen. We may lose religious freedom. We may be persecuted. We may do these things. I I want you to understand something. Listen, and and this is going to sound kind of negative, but I want you to understand those things aren't things that may happen. Those are things that will happen. Jesus said that they would happen. But he also said, be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world. And as he taught the instructions of, of how to do this, he didn't say fight back. He, he taught to pray for them. He taught to find ways to bless them. In fact, Jesus also taught in Matthew. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Can I ask you a question? How many people ever prayed that God would bless you? One of the ways that you're blessed is by being persecuted. Some of y'all are going to be like, I ain't praying for blessing no more if that's what it means, huh? They were terrified. Look at, look at what they, the response was at, the, uh, at, at chapter 8, verse 1. It says that there was a great persecution that came to the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered everywhere throughout Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And I'll tell you what, during early days of corona and some of this craziness that goes on, that was the, what the church looked like. Like, they were scattered everywhere. Like, everybody in their own homes and everything. And the only people who were at church were the people who were paid to be here, you know, filming things and, and all of that stuff. Like, it was the example of where the church was at that point. The only people here were, were, were the apostles or the, the staff people. Everybody else was spread everywhere, hiding from coronavirus and all that. And, I mean, we were, we were everywhere. So it's not the first time that the church has been spread out everywhere. But we're going to look at that here in a minute. Acts chapter 9, it goes on and says, and Saul continued to breathe his threats. He continued to uh, uh, threats of, and, and to murder against the disciples of the Lord. And, and he went to the high priest and he asked for more letters uh, to go to the synagogues. And he was going to go to Damascus. And, and if he found any belonging to the way, he would bind them and he would bring them back to Jerusalem. So after Saul ran everybody else off to the surrounding areas, he's like, I'm going to go round all them people up. I'm going to go bring them back here, and I'm going to persecute them there. See, I think a lot of times Christians think that they can run from persecution if they run from the house of God and the purposes of God and the kingdom of God. But I'm just telling you, this shows an example that the enemy will find you wherever you're hiding. He's going to come look for you. So I recommend that you be connected to some other believers. I recommend that you continue to be in the presence of God, that you continue to be in the word of God, and you get that in you so that you can stand up 
But Saul was basically a bounty hunter for Christians. He was, he was going to destroy this movement one way or the other. It goes on, verse 3, and it says, As he was traveling uh, and he, he approached Damascus, suddenly there was a light that flashed all around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And look at this. Saul said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Listen. God will allow persecution to a point. And then he comes in, he's like, all right, that's enough. And he cuts it off. And Saul, as he is on his way to persecute the church, to murder the church, he encounters Jesus. And the minute that he encounters Jesus, what does he do? He rec- one thing, he recognized him as the Lord. I think there's another thing that's very important out of that verse that you pull out of it. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Why is that important? Because he didn't say, I am Jesus whose church you are persecuting. He didn't say that. He said, when you persecute my church, you're persecuting me. So in a way, it's like, hey, you mess with my people, you're going to mess with me. That Jesus stands up and begins to defend his people. He said, you know what? I've knocked you off your high horse. You see it. You're going to be blind, and now you're going to start obeying what I'm telling you to do. I want you to go to the city. There's this man named Ananias who is going to, to be there, and Ananias is going to pray for you, and, 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 and he's going to, he, he's going, you're, you're, you'll go now start working for me. And jump ahead to that, that next passage of Scripture in uh, verse 10. There it is. He said, now the, the disciples, uh, there was a disciple at Damascus whose name was Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here am I. And he said, the Lord said, go to the street called Straight. Because that's where Jesus told Paul to, Saul to go. And he said, inquire there of, at the house of Judas of a man from Tarsus named Saul. Because he will be praying. And as he uh, had seen the vision, Ananias came up. Uh, came in and, and laid hands on him so that he might regain his, and I want you to go lay hands on him so he can regain his sight. But look at Ananias' response. Lord, I have heard many things about this man. I have heard the harm that he did to the saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority from the chief priest to come here and bind all of those who call upon your name. And so I don't know if you know this guy, but this guy is a really bad guy. I don't know if you're aware of the fact that he's on his way here to kill Christians who pray, and you want me to go pray for him? Like, God, that doesn't sound like a good plan. Can I just, like, pray for him from here and hope that he is saved? You know, he'll murder me. And God didn't say, oh, you know what, you're right. I, that's Saul. We hadn't changed his name to Paul yet. It's Saul, he's a murderer. I, you're right. You can pray. No, he, he didn't do that. He said, the Lord said to him, go, because he's my chosen instrument to bear my name to the Gentiles and the kings of Israel. And I will show him how much that he will suffer for my name's sake. In other words, he's like, I don't care. I've got a plan for that man's life. Why is that important? 
Because we have to realize that even though people may be persecuting the church and Christians and hate us now, that they can have an encounter with Jesus. And the very thing that they were fighting and trying to kill, they'll give their life for one day. If God could do it in Saul, who was leading the way. He was the leader of Antifa. All right, everybody, we need to burn this place down. We need to do all this. You know, and those people, they're, they're posting it all online for everybody to go do the stuff, and they're still sitting in their home safe. And God says, I, I know what he's doing now, but I still got a plan. And so, I'll, Ananias, I want you to trust me with your life. That if I tell you to go pray for somebody, I got you. Saul begins to, he, he regains his sight. He begins to go travel and he's preaching Christ. The only problem is all the Christians were afraid of him. <laughs> I mean, that would be like somebody who is a known leader of some organization and, 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 and they've caused all kinds of riots and murders and all that stuff just coming up now and they're kind of preaching the complete opposite side. They're going to be like, look, I know who you are and I ain't listening to a word you have to say. This is a setup. You're just trying to get us all in one place so that you can wipe us out. I ain't going there. All the Christians were afraid of him. And God had to find one man named Barnabas, who Barnabas believed enough in the life-saving, power-changing grace of God that God could turn Saul around. He saw something in him that even though people were rejecting him because of what he had done before in his past, he continued to preach the truth. And so Barnabas brings him in, and Barnabas brings him into the apostles and brings him among the people, and, 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 and then eventually they end up getting sent out. They become ministry partners. But I can tell you this, if Saul was around in today's church, Look, today's church, we don't look for reasons to qualify people for ministry. We look for reasons to disqualify people from ministry. Oh, but you don't know what they did before. They've been divorced before. He used, to, he used to have a problem with drugs. He used to be an alcoholic. He used to do this. They used to live this way and everything. And, and I, all I got to say to that is if God can take somebody who is literally killing his church and, and killing and, and, and coming against him to where Jesus has to come and interrupt him and say, you are persecuting me then God can take anybody, no matter what political stance they stand at now, and turn their hearts. We do not have to fear the election. We have to trust God. If God can change Saul's heart, if God can change Darius's heart, and Nebuchadnezzar's heart, and Artaxerxes' heart, and Cyrus's heart, and all of these people that we think throughout Scripture, he can change Trump's heart, or Biden's heart, or Harris's heart, or Nancy Pelosi's heart, if all the conspiracy stuff is right. God can change it all. But we have to do our part. 
Stop disqualifying people. What if all the apostles and everything would have continued to reject Saul instead of forgive him for the persecution that he had done against them? Two-thirds of the New Testament isn't written. A lot of Gentile churches aren't, written, uh, aren't, aren't formed and, and everything. I mean, you look at today some of the most inspirational scriptures that we read today. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. The teaching on the full armor of God, all of these things. The, the whole Romans road. <clears throat> we wouldn't have any of those things. But the church had to receive Saul and forgive his past for really them, even Saul, when he became Paul, you remember when Peter was <clears throat> getting off, off course and like he would hang out with the Gentiles as long as the Jews weren't around, but when the Jews were around, then he would, he would leave the Gentiles and wouldn't hang out with them and he just came over and he went back through being kind of religious with all of his Jewish friends and everything. Who corrected him? Paul. If Paul haven't spoken up, then the Jewish leaders probably would have been like, okay, well, in order to be saved, you got to trust in Jesus Christ, and you have to keep all the feasts, and you have to be circumcised, and because those are the things that Paul was preaching is, guys, listen, it's either faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross is our way of salvation or it's works. It can't be both. Is the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus great enough to forgive us of our sins or do we still have to be ritualistic in our religion? Can you imagine if Paul hadn't stood up and spoke the truth? Sometimes it takes a radical person to get through the head of a religious person as to what God really wants to happen. And it, scripture warns by Paul, by the way, that in the last days, that people will have a form of religion but deny the power thereof. And even in that passage, it says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to what? The power that works within us. If you go read the verses right before that, you know what the power that works within us is? Love. So why do you think the enemy wants us to be defiled with unforgiveness and bitterness so bad? Because if we have bitterness and unforgiveness, we're not operating in the true love. And even though we look righteous, even though we have a form of religion, the most powerful thing that is going to win people to Christ, because listen, when we show love, we're showing people God. Because what does 1 John 4, 8 say? God is love. So when we don't love, we don't show people God. And they don't come to trust and put their faith in a bunch of angry people. The reason why I keep saying this great outpouring of God 
is going to come when we get our hearts right is because it's the love that we show for people that they receive that makes them want what we have inside of us. If we're just as angry as the world, just saying it a little cleaner and with a few less curse words and Which some of it, even Christians now, they're not even editing the curse words out of what they put on us. And you laugh because it's true. You've seen it. God can use anyone to build the kingdom. We can't eliminate people because of what they've done in the past. In fact, can I tell you something? God used Saul even before he encountered Jesus to advance the kingdom of God. I'll show you. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says there was great persecution that was coming in, and look at this. They were all scattered to Judea and into Samaria. All right, now let's think. At Jesus' ascension, right, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where everybody was. They had that one covered. But where else? In Judea and Samaria. And then the uttermost parts of the world. Well, just because they ran there didn't mean that they were preaching the word of God and spreading the gospel. Well, look at verse four. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word of God. And Philip went to the city of Samaria and he began to proclaim Christ to them. And the crowds were coming and they were giving attention to Philip. And, and they heard and they were seeing signs that he was performing. So Philip is healing the sick. Philip is casting out demons. Philip is doing all these things. And it says, it goes on and says, for this case he had had a man who, uh, there were many people who had unclean spirits and they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And the man who had been paralyzed and lame was healed. And there was a great rejoicing in this city because Saul persecuted the church. The church scattered versus being centralized. Uh, oh my goodness, how many times have I said that? Can't be about in here. We're supposed to be out there. And if we just want to hide in here, then persecution will come greater until we go out there. What happens out there? Home groups, prayer meetings, meeting the needs of one another. The days of there's something going on in your neighbor's family and you call up the church so the church can meet the need. God never intended the church to meet the need. He put you there. You are the church in that neighborhood, in that environment. And he wants you to be the church and meet the need. Isn't that Acts 2? Isn't that what we study in Acts 2? Remember Revive Weekend before this? You remember the beginning of the year? You remember during the Revision series? We talked about it three times within the course of a year. Acts to church, Acts to church, Acts to church, Acts to church, Acts to church. Well, we support you, Pastor Brandon, you and the church staff. You guys go preach the gospel and y'all win people to the Lord and all that. We'll serve in church and we'll write a tithe check for you. Go staff, you can do it. But here's the thing, Philip wasn't on church staff. 
Philip was in widow's ministry. The beginning of Acts chapter 6 or 7, the disciples and the apostles are saying, listen, we've got to devote our time to, the, to prayer and to the teaching of God's word because we've got, to, we've got to hear from God so that we can empower the church and the people so that they can be who they need to be. And even Paul, that's what he, he began to work out these things in, in, in Ephesians and Philippians and in, in Corinthians and all of these things. He, in Romans, he talks about how there's many parts of the body, but they're all one body and, and they all have different roles and functions. And, and if everybody does their part of the body, then the body is healthy and all of those things and they're all dependent upon one another. You remember all those teachings that Paul gave us? That had the church not forgiven Paul, they would have never received any of those teachings? When the disciples said, we've got we've to study and pray and read the Word of God so we can teach the Word of God. They said, we need to pick some men. And we're going to pray over these men. And when we pray over these men, they're going to go wait on the tables for the widows. They're going to take care of the widows' ministry. And Philip was one of those people who was on the widows' team. You know who else was on the widows' team? Stephen. You know what that shows us? That every servant in God's house should be willing to give their life for the gospel, not just the ones who are on the altar preaching. You know what Stephen did? Not only was he praying, but you know why they got mad at him? Because he was preaching. He was revealing to them how they had missed Christ. And they didn't like it. So they decided they were going to persecute him and stone him to death. Philip later, the guy on the widow's team, pulls up beside an Ethiopian guy who's, on a, who's in a, a, a chariot, goes through the prophet Isaiah and, 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 it, and shows how Isaiah was, when, in Isaiah 53, when he's talking about the, the prophet there and, and the, the man being led to the slaughter, he's showing him how it's Christ. And the Ethiopian goes, what, what, what's going to hinder us from uh, being baptized right now and being saved right now? I, w- I want to sign the dotted line. I want, I want to do this right now. He wasn't in a church. He, he wasn't even in a home Bible study. He was along the street. And God said, you need to go talk to that person in that chariot. And when he pulled up, he heard him reading the book of Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're, saying, what you're reading there? How can I understand this stuff? It's in King James. Just, I can't, I'm not Shakespeare. I, I don't get it. It's a joke. And then the guy from Ethiopia goes, and guess what? The gospel goes to Ethiopia. Why? Because Saul persecuted the church. The church, even though God had told them repeatedly to go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, they hadn't done it yet. And then the only person who would do it was Paul. Because you find in Acts chapter 10 and 11, they're right back in Jerusalem again once things get a little bit better. But Paul keeps going to the nations. He goes to Asia Minor. He goes to all these different places and he takes the gospel. God got a hold of Saul's heart so much that he turned it. He was willing to lay down his life. And the problem is, is the majority of the people in the church do not represent. They haven't even had that type of encounter with God yet. They want to sit and listen to somebody else give them the gospel. 
and they want to just take it in and just get fat. Because when you take stuff in and you don't let stuff out, you just get fat. It's biology. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. We've got a lot of fat Christians who have just been coming and sitting and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. It's really kind of like a a fad diet because they come and eat what I give and then they don't eat for another week and then they eat another big meal and then... I don't know how many times we talk and we share and we're like, guys, we need to be meeting in small groups. We need to be in homes. We need to be meeting in communities. We need people to serve. We had over 220 people sign up to serve. We had 10 different areas and regions that we had divided out after a revived weekend to go do outreaches. And for the first few months that we have been in Mount Hope, we've had only two or three people show up to serve. And one of them I pay to be there. He would be there anyway. Because we've we've gone back. We've, We've gotten off mission, we've gotten off course. And the majority of what's gotten us off course has been our anger and our unforgiveness and our bitterness and our fear of all the things that we see around us. But do we believe that he is an awesome God? And if we believe he is an awesome God, then why don't we take the awesome God to the lost people and show them the love of Jesus? I mean, even, well, what good does it do to give them food and everything? In Matthew chapter 25, when they're in heaven, Jesus looks at them and he says, I, you, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you prayed for me. We've got to get back to being who God called us to be and being the church that God called us to be. We gotta stop fighting everything else and we gotta begin to fight the fight that matters, the fight for souls. And yes, we fight it from our knees, but we don't only fight it from our knees. We fight it with our good works. We pray for them and then what? You bless them. Pray for them, bless them, pray for them, bless them, pray for them, bless them. Stephen has he's being murdered is praying for them. And I believe that Saul probably heard those words going over in his head as he left. This guy's praying for me. This guy's praying. I'm killing him. He's praying for me. There are too many people who are lost and hurting for us to be defiled by unforgiveness and bitterness. Can we be a church that doesn't just receive the love and forgiveness that God gives us, but we give it to others even when they don't ask? Can we pray for those people who are present? If you don't like somebody in politics, pray for them. Not that God would smoke them, that God will save them. 
Guys, we don't want, we don't want somebody who is lost to die and be destroyed. Our desire shouldn't be the destruction and the punishment of the lost. Our desire should be the salvation and restoration to God of the lost. And it's not going to happen when we're mad at them. It's not going to happen when we have unforgiveness toward them. It's going to happen when we put to work the Word of God. And if you can't do it, I'm telling you, when you begin to pray for your enemy, God begins to heal your heart, and He begins to get rid of all that mess that's inside of you. It's more for you than it is for them. Do we believe we have this awesome God? Or is it just a song that we sing? Because this awesome God showed us awesome love and grace and forgiveness. And we need to offer it and show how awesome God's love and grace and forgiveness is to a lost and dying world. Even those who are persecuting us and coming against us. How about this? Especially those who are persecuting the church and coming against our biblical values. Why? Because they need Jesus. And if we're not there, then we need Jesus to do a work in our heart. I want you to bow your heads for just a second. I want you to just do an evaluation of where you are right now. In your homes, I want you just to and sometimes you disconnect when you're in your home. I want you to bow your head and point right there. And I want you to pray and ask God, God, do I have unforgiveness? Do I have hatred and anger in my heart? And if God begins to bring somebody to your mind, I, Let's, let's do what God's word says and let's just begin to pray for them. Right where you are, I want you just to pray for the people that God is bringing to your mind, even if it's political people. And if you don't have anybody to pray for, pray for me because I can use all the prayers I can get. Just, I want you to take a minute and just begin to pray and just begin to ask God to move in their life. Father God, you see every lost government official, every lost media person. Every God, you can't even... You can't even believe anything you hear in media today because everything's so slanted and half-truths and one-sided. God, we know that there's only truth and lies. So, Father, all those that are just spreading lies, God, convict them, Lord. Get a hold of their heart. Let your church see through the lies that are being taught, the lies that are being spread, God. Let us not believe a lie, God. God, I just pray that all those leaders that are attacking biblical values and morals, God, God, let them have a revelation, God, of who you are. The same way that Saul had a revelation and encounter with you, and it changed everything. God, I pray that our government officials will have an encounter with you, God. 
from Trump and Pence and, and Biden and, and Harris and, and, and Justice and, and, and uh, Newsom and all these different officials throughout, all these governors and all these things, God, God, let them know that their power was given by you and let them have an understanding, Father God, uh, of the, the desire that you have for them in their position, God. God, I pray that like you did with Darius and them, that you change their hearts and you turn their ways. God, I pray for those people who are stirring up violence and anger and hatred, God. These, re- these extremist groups, God. Lord, I pray that they would be ex- as extreme for your kingdom and your word as they are for the things that are going against the word, God. All of these billionaires who are funding these movements and things that are destroying homes and unity of our nation and, and, and destroying the peace of our nation, God. Save their souls, God. Turn their hearts, Father God. Lord, I pray that they won't be like the rich man who had to who built the bigger barns and all of those things, but had to give up his soul and you came demanding his soul that night, God. But I pray that they realize that you've given them those riches and those blessings, God, to build your kingdom, God, not theirs, Father. God, I pray that you turn their hearts, God. I pray that we begin to see the, the, the narrative in the news media and things change from, from people who are attacking the, the religious values and things, God, that you change that, God, to people who are beginning to fight for it, God, because they have Damascus Road encounters with you. But God, let it start in your church. Let it start in us. Father, if we're not at the position that Stephen was, to be willing to lay down his life, and even as he's being stoned to pray for those who are doing it, then God, let our commitment to your kingdom change. Let it be strengthened. Let faith not be something that we have, but let faith be who we are. May church not be something that we attend, but may may church be who we are. That we're the church, not just in this building. We're the church in our homes. We're the church in Walmart. We're the church in our schools, God. We're the church in our communities. That we realize, Father, that, that your goal is for us to reach lost people. Not even just uh, outreach at things that, and needs that need to be met through outreach that the church organizes. But God, show us needs that we can meet in the neighborhood around us, Father. And let us be your church. And let us show your love. And let us represent you well. And it's in your precious son's name that Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.